Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, of course, as always, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. That is from the northern state line all the way to the coast, from the state line separating Mississippi and Alabama over into the Arkansas Delta, into Louisiana and beyond. We're glad to be with you. Got you covered on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You know, the weather this time of year. Two days ago, I was going, yeah, I don't know if today's the day to be on the golf course. Today is the day to be on the golf course. 60, sunny, not a cloud in the sky. Going to be just a touch warmer than this two days from now when we uh, when we go college football right here in the Magnolia State, getting the day kicked off with Ole Miss and Texas A&M at 11 o'clock, Mississippi State in the night game at home against Kentucky, 6.30 Central kickoff in Starkville. What a great weekend we've got coming up. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We'd love for you to join the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Learn more about them online at cspire.com slash business. Crowned champion last night, a World Series champion, the Texas Rangers, winning over the Arizona Diamondbacks in five games. The most remarkable thing about the Rangers in these playoffs, they went 11-0 and on the road. That's incredible! They did That'll be one lose. of the all-time great outliers in sports history right there. I saw somebody point out last night on Twitter, <clears throat> I don't remember who it was, that said the right team won, Texas was good the entire season, they slumped in September, and they got it together for the playoffs. Arizona was a pretty average team all year that got into the playoffs, got hot, but they couldn't quite finish the deal. That may be a good summation of the uh, the way the season went. Um, can I, but uh, I, I'm just going to be completely honest. We've talked about declining ratings in Major League Baseball. I haven't seen TV numbers from the World Series. My guess is they're not very good. Uh, the, these games will be the worst 
or least watched collection of World Series games ever. Well, I'm part of the problem. I mean, I've always said, love the beginning of the season, check out for a little while, check back in around the All-Star break, kind of pay attention down the stretch, and then love playoff baseball. I watched less playoff baseball this year than I have ever watched, and significantly less of the World Series than I've ever watched before. Why is that? Because I have a working theory, at least on uh, for some people like myself, there's too much football. At least for me, there, there's too much football. If it was just Saturday and Sunday and then the one game Monday, I would have watched more, more World Series. And, of course, I watched the Pelicans last night. But anyway, point is, when, when you've got these big playoff baseball games going on when there's an NFL game on a Thursday night, I'm picking the football game. Yeah, I guess that's it for some. But, I mean, it, it's not like I was watching Maction Tuesday and Wednesday night. I mean, I didn't tune into Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, although in both those games, Central Michigan and the Toledo-Buffalo game, they had snow, which which is kind of a draw for me. I didn't tune into those over the World Series. I didn't watch Akron and Kent State last night instead of the World Series. I just... Didn't have it. Didn't on watch our guy Joe win the wagon wheel. Come on, man! He got a win last night. Yeah, to get to two and seven on the year and pick up their first MAC win of the season. Good for them. And win the wagon wheel. And the wagon wheel. Rock Who could forget me, the wagon Mama wheel? Like a... Yeah, not Darius that wagon wheel. or uh, not that version of wagon wheel. I love Darius. He's royalty yeah. in the state that I grew up in. Uh, Old Crow's version is so 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 much better than his. Yes, yes. Old Crow Medicine shows quite good. Quite good. Um, did you guys watch any of it? Did, did, did you check in on the world? Hey, Dad, I bet you never even turned it on. Like, Didn't not watch even a pitch. pitch. Not a pitch. No. no. I missed and last this- night. I completely forgot last night until I saw tweets like, Rangers! And I was like, oh my gosh, World Series! Yeah, go Rangers! I've been, watching, I've been watching basketball. I did hold true to my promise. I did watch basketball over... The uh, the gubernatorial debate last night, like the true sports guy that I am. Yeah, I mean, clearly, if the team that I follow more, the Yankees, had been in the World Series, I would have watched. I I still don't think I would have been glued to like every single pitch. Hey, Dad would have watched if the Giants had been in it. But it's not just Yankees, Giants, my team. If the Braves had been in it, I would have watched. If the Cubs had been in it because they're interesting, I would have watched. I don't know that the Dodgers necessarily would have drawn me in. But if it had been, I don't know, if it had been the, the Phillies playing the Red Sox, I would have watched more of that than I watched with the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. I have talked to some folks, though. Uh, my brother lives right outside of Dallas. Uh, in in Denton, and he did say that the the Dallas area just completely wrapped up in it. First World Series win ever for the Rangers. They um, they had the heartbreak against St. Louis back in what was it 2011 when uh, when Freeze hit the home run in Game Six and <clears throat> Joe Buck gave the we'll see we will see you tomorrow night. And yeah. then I mean Game yeah. Seven was a coronation for the Cardinals. It wasn't like Texas was coming back from that after losing in Game no. Six on the road. Um, Did you see that video last night of, uh, I, I don't want to call him old because he's not old relative to, to most people, but the, the older gentleman who was watching in his living room and after the final pitch he just put his hands up, he sat down in his recliner and started crying. 
Apparently, his wife said, I think you're happier about this than you were when our daughter was born. And his reply was, I've only known her 24 years. I've had the Rangers my whole life. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I get it. I get it. Um, We had a good college football slate tonight. Two, Two games, three games, really. TCU, Texas Tech. Okay, you got some names there. TCU, a far cry from playing from a national championship like they did a year ago, coming in at four and four. Texas Tech at three and five. That game's in Lubbock, six o'clock on FS1, six thirty tonight on ESPN. Duke is in a little bit of a tailspin right now after the great start to the year. They host Wake Forest tonight at Wallace Way. Duke is a six and a half point favorite. And then, how about this out of the Sun Belt tonight? Four and four South Alabama at six and two Troy. That could be a really good football game. Troy, five and a half point favorite at home in this one against South Alabama. You know, this is the time of year where you start thinking about stuff like this, but he's only two years in. But look at John Summerall's losses at Troy. The wins, the number of wins, the volume of wins is great, but. Does he have even a, oh, you know, maybe shouldn't have lost that way. He's got no, I mean, it is, it's Ole Miss, it's Appalachian State on a Hail Mary, it's James Madison. And Kansas State this and year. And Kansas State this year. Uh, that That's it. I mean, uh, maybe he, he's waiting patiently for, like, movement at Kentucky or whatever. If Ference retires at Iowa and, and Stoops makes the jump to the alma mater or whatever. But if I'm hiring... I'm looking very closely at that guy. Am I crazy to think that if Stoops left, that Kentucky's football coaching search would be the shortest search in the history of searches? The phone call. It would be one call to John Sumrall, and that's it. One call, that's all. I we can't say that, can we? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's John. Some, that's, that's somebody else's <laughs> tagline. My bad. He, he advertises on this oh, network. We, 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 can, we, can, we can we can pump him up. I'm with you. Yeah. Hey, John. Uh, we got you a flight tomorrow. Okay. Thanks, guys. See you then. Okay, that's the phone call. John might call. John might call them. I'd be like, Hey, you need me up? Yeah. Come on. You, you sitting in the plane, or do <laughs> I need to come on my? Own? You sitting in the plane, or do I got to? I got to get a U-Haul. No, no. We got you. You're good. Giving you some of Calipari's money. Hmm. Um. So some pretty good college football coming your uh, way tonight. Hey, I'm, I was out on Tuesday. Make your jokes as you wish. Well, I'll, um, I'll be out tomorrow. I, that's why I said on Tuesday. I was like, I, I made a joke at the beginning of the show. And I was like, I've got oh. two more days to do this because I'm oh, taking yeah. a football Friday off, and so now it's only Haydad that can take shots on a football Friday moving forward. That is correct. Tomorrow it is Sports Talk Mississippi with Brian Haydad. Yeah, let's do it. You, you fired up about that? I am. I mean, it's going to be an easy show. Friday's an easy show. we got a lot of great guests. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. You and Bruce Marshall going to chop it up tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, that's the thing. Bruce has never just done the thing with just me. I, I'm excited to see how he goes. Will he call yeah. me bra? I don't know. <laughs> He'll just end up calling you rich, even though he knows that you're yeah, not. I bet he calls me rich. rich. Anyway. Yeah, Rich, good to, uh, good to be with you. Hey, we've got, uh, we got a bunch to get to. There's a lot going on. In the sports world, there is a lot going on in the periphery of the uh, college football world. 
Uh, Ross Dellinger will join us coming up next. We'll jump into some of those topics with him. John Talty will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. We're back with you right after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports, who once upon a time in his career covered games. He wrote game stories and did features on players. Um, uh, when's the last time you covered an actual game, Ross? <laughs> well, I've covered a few games this year, actually. I, uh, I covered it. I went out to Eugene, covered an Oregon game. I went out to, uh, to Washington, covered a Washington Oregon game, uh, okay. covered an Alabama game, and I covered two games to start the year, actually. My, uh, uh, covered Florida State, LSU, covered Colorado, and uh, TCU. So, uh, but it has been a couple weeks. I've been at home for a couple weeks. Um, but I am literally about to head to the airport to head uh, down to cover LSU, Alabama. Uh, so I do, I still cover games a little, but uh, these days it's getting more difficult. Yeah, there's a, a lot going on. Good to know that you're staying acquainted with your roots, though. Uh, you can read Ross's work at Yahoo Sports. You can also listen to him on the College Football Inquirer podcast with Dan Wetzel and Pat Forty. So, Ross, what are we doing with this Michigan story? Every day there's something new. There are new layers. There are reports that uh, Tony Petiti had a call today with what was it, coaches, and maybe there's one scheduled with ADs trying to kind of get some feedback from across the league. It sounds like the coaches uh, have gone from not saying a whole lot to furious. W- where are we and where are we headed? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, a huge shock that uh, college football coaches are complaining and angry. Uh, of course they are, um, right? They they li- it seems like they live that way, uh, but it is somewhat noteworthy, you know, how frustrated they are. But it's really nothing new, though. I, I think this has been going on for three weeks. Um, last week, the ADs in the Big Ten held the call, actually, and it was a similar type of uh, frustration expressed by, by the administrators, which in a lot of ways is a lot more important than coaches is, is the administration and the presidents. So that all – that this has been happening um, – Here's the thing, you know, it's, it's, I think it's tough, uh, for the league to do something. First of all, the, the league doesn't have like an investigative unit or investigators to investigate. Um, and, and you'd better be right. Um, whatever penalty or, or evidence you have, you, you better, you, whatever penalty you hand down based on whatever evidence you have, you better be right because I'm sure there's legal avenues for Michigan to go down if you if you do something out of lockstep in in the conference doing you know leveling some kind of penalty would be in a way out of lockstep because the that usually is left to the NCAA. So I just I would I would be pretty surprised, Richard, if we saw Mich uh, we saw the Big Ten um, you know make some kind of uh, big uh, uh, sanction or, or levy some kind of sanction or penalties 
um, against Michigan before the NCAA investigation completes. You know, and and I think the NCAA investigation is on an accelerated timeline. Um, that's not saying a whole lot, right? Because NCAA investigations can last years. Uh, but this one, there's a lot of evidence already out there. There's a lot of evidence already done and presented to the NCAA by apparently that unnamed law firm, um, investigative firm. So uh, a lot of the groundwork has been done. Um, so I think, you know, could we have an, an NCAA investigation that concludes, you know, during the season at this at some point this month? Maybe. It seems no, unlikely, but they maybe. they never move that fast. Well, here's the thing. It, again, there, there's so much already known on this, and they were presented so much that and you're right in the middle of a championship season, all this stuff that, Conceivably, the NCAA's at least a portion of the NCAA's investigation could be done, and they could have evidence. And then from that evidence is when I think the University of Michigan, right, whenever the NCAA feels like it's ready, present the University of Michigan and the Big Ten. Hey, here's what we are finding. You guys might need to handle something before the season ends, right? Because the NCAA is their whole thing, right? This entire case is not going to be done by the time the season. The season ends. They have appeals process. The school has like 90 days to respond right, to a notice right. of allegations. This lasts a long time, but they get to a point where they have enough. Can they present it to the Big Ten in Michigan and say, thought you should be aware. <laughs> Here's what we've got. Maybe you should take action. And even then, not entirely sure that the Big Ten would possibly remove a uh... – you know, a potential national championship winning program from the ability to even compete for that. So, yeah, I don't know. Correct. It's, it's a mess. I, I want to read something that you wrote. I don't know if this is good radio, but it's short. Promptly at 3.30 Eastern, bursting from the speakers of his television, talking about Roy Kramer, the religious experience begins. High-pitched horns and rumbling snare drums, 16 defining notes and a choir of voices the melody builds into a spine-tingling crescendo of percussion and brass as side-by-side acronyms flash onto the screen, SEC on CBS. My question, Ross, by the way, if you want to read this story, you can do so at, uh, at Yahoo Sports. It's a great read. Do you think CBS in particular would like a redo on how their relationship ended with the SEC? Um, that's a great question. Um, and it would be, it would, it, it would not be a question that probably would ever be answered, uh, anytime soon, honestly, right. By, by CBS. Uh, but I would think so. And, and from talking to some industry insider people, uh, even one of them actually said, I didn't run the quote, but one of them said, you know, if they, if you gave them truth serum, they would probably say, you know, we effed up. Um, mm. uh, so I, I do think a portion of that is probably true. But there's another side of this, and I kind of wrote it a little bit in the story. I wrote around it, as we say, uh, in journalism. The SEC, it wasn't all about money, right? The, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily all about the relationship with CBS and how it broke down years ago. It, there was a big piece of this for the SEC of, of staying 
of having all of its games and all of its content under one umbrella, under one network for control, for flexibility with game times and kickoff times and and all that stuff. So I think that was important uh, in all of this. But certainly all these things, you know, the the money issue right uh the uh the the relationship um issue between the two entities that kind of started to break down um uh, you know 10 years ago when expansion happened and CBS wouldn't give more money and ESPN did all those things you know are are uh impact what happened in the end which is 3 years ago you know the negotiations falling through between the CBS and and the SEC and the SEC going with ABC slash ESPN for all their content. Um, so it's, it's all under the, the mothership, um, so to speak. Uh, so, so a lot of things, a lot of moving pieces, but to get back to your, your question, I, I do think that this, there has to be a little regret in how maybe some things were handled years ago. Um, by by CBS when it came to being quote a good partner, you know, with the mm-hmm. with the SEC. I mean, think about it. You know, the SEC on CBS uh, was the the most watched package, most watched game, number one single game every week on average in college football for fourteen consecutive seasons, and it didn't get renewed. That is just shocking. There are people at ESPN who were floored that they even got to sniff a chance at the package, let alone get the package. So, again, it tells you a lot about the relationships in the past between CBS and the SEC, but it also tells you the SEC, I think, moving forward, did want more control and flexibility. The thing is, if you're CBS, good heavens, give them whatever they want. Not just money, but flexibility, control, keep the number one package in all of college football. And instead they lost it, and not only that, right, but now they're paying more for a, a, a secondary uh, game with the Big Ten. Very weird. Yeah, and even though you said just a second, we only got about a minute left, that it wasn't all about money. If ultimately CBS had been willing to pay the SEC what they are paying the Big Ten, it never would have gotten to this point, would it? I think that's right. Yeah, I think uh, you know basically CBS is uh, CBS used to pay fifty five million dollars, which was an incredible bargain, right? For for uh, annually for for the SEC's number one game, fifteen games roughly. Uh, ESPN will now pay three hundred million for that property, right. and CBS is paying three hundred and fifty million for the Big Ten secondary game. So yeah, if they if they had uh, bid something with a three on the front, they may have gotten the package. It's incredible, um, and it's bittersweet too because that that, that two thirty central time slot is not going to be what it has been. It's still going to be a great game, but it's not necessarily going to be the number one game every single week, which has been such hallowed ground. Ross, always uh, appreciate your time. Great writing, and look forward to seeing you soon. All right, guys. See you, Richard. Ross Dellinger joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. That was really good writing also, by the way. Those those second and third paragraphs, that was big time. We're back with you right after this. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is... 
Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. The reason that Ross Dellinger wrote that story at uh, Yahoo Sports that we referenced in the uh, in the conversation just a couple of minutes ago is that this Saturday marks the final SEC on CBS doubleheader. And it's a doozy. You've got the SEC Eastern Division lead up for grabs with Georgia and Missouri and the SEC West Division up for grabs the division lead up for grabs with Alabama and LSU. The Georgia game at 3.30 Eastern, and then the um, the Alabama-LSU game at, what, 6.45? You said something or that stood out to me. Eastern. Okay. And I, I fancy myself as somebody that doesn't miss stuff in sports stories, but the, the SEC on ABC is not necessarily going to be at 2.30 every week. I think there will be an SEC game at 2.30 every week on ABC. But it's not necessarily the number one game anymore. I hate and, that. Well, here's the reason, though. I mean, Ross talked about the fact that the SEC, in conjunction with ESPN ABC, now owns everything. It's all under one umbrella. And so... They will get to decide what the best game is each week and where it belongs. And it may be long in prime time on Saturday night on ABC. The the thing to me, the, the nostalgic piece to me that is going away, like you can convince me that, hey, it makes sense to not necessarily put the number one game in that time slot every single week. But what's going to be hard for me to digest is not having the same announcing crew in that time slot. Every single week. Because for, well, it was originally the very first SEC on CBS game was Jim Nance. And then we transitioned to Vern Lundquist. And in 2006, love him or hate him, Gary Danielson began an 18-year run as the lead color analyst for the SEC on CBS. And even if you hate Gary Danielson, and even if you think that is the best part of the fact that the SEC is not going to be on CBS, you cannot argue the familiarity of those voices. With Vern and Gary transitioning then to Brad Nessler and Gary, and you knew that every single week, outside the two prime time, the two doubleheaders, and actually it was really only one doubleheader, right? I mean, it was two doubleheaders, yeah. but one of them was at 11 a.m. followed by a 2.30, and then you had the mm-hmm. big week where you get 2.30 and 7. Yeah, you knew they were going to be calling Alabama LSU, basically. Yes. And now, if the best game is in prime time, it's probably going to be Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. So if they decide to stick, let's just say that they decide the prime time game, like last week is Georgia-Florida, 
and they leave it in a traditional 3.30 kickoff. Well, you might have Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet slide down to call that game, and then you send you know, whomever to call the primetime game, which might be an SEC game or might be an ACC game or might be a Big 12 game. Yeah, what you're, you're saying makes a lot of sense. Think about LSU, right? LSU doesn't doesn't ever want to play before the sun goes down. So if they have the game of the week, that's going to be a night game. That's going to be Fowler and, and Herb Street in Tiger Stadium. And a lot of schools are going to be like that. They're going to say, like, yeah, if we can play a, a night game and let our fans have that, that, that experience, we're going to do it. Well, and, and it hasn't always been that the best or most important game was only on CBS. Because you remember CBS's schedule was weird for a long time because they had the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. And so they didn't usually start until, what was it, week three or week four? Where they had football, and then they had the, the two double headers that were mixed in, which is the reason why in 2015, at the end of September, you got Ole Miss at Alabama on ESPN with Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. Remember that 2015 game? That's where that one lived, with like an 8 o'clock kickoff that night. Whereas in most years, that was your that was your CBS game. What's the um, what's the frown? Hey, Dad, is that just an involuntary just thinking twitch in thinking about yeah, that game? Yeah, thinking about that game. Yeah, that's a yeah. shame that it's not going to be the same announcer crew every week. I I, I hate that. I, I mean, because you know people have their opinions about Kirk Herbstreet. I think that duo is a significant upgrade from from Nestler, who I don't dislike. I like Brad Nestler fine. And, you know, Gary, his segment with you at Media Days was awesome. Calling a game, I'm not the biggest, uh, I could take it or leave him. I think Fowler and Herbstreet are great. And to not have them for the biggest game in the SEC every week stinks. Mm -hmm. I love Chris Fowler. I mean, he he might be, he and Mike Tirico, I think, are my favorites in in broadcasting. I don't know why. I just, I think he's great. You love Chris as a play-by-play guy. Yeah. Really? Which is I like weird. It. Like I still see him as a studio guy. I still think of him when you, when I think of Chris Fowler. I still think of College Game Day yeah. more than I think of him as a play by play guy. And, and, and technically, I don't know if he's good or bad at it. it. There's something about his voice that stands out to me. Like I really like that voice attached to a football game. Hmm. That's interesting. That, that that's how you feel about that. Like Vern is, is everybody loves Vern Lundquist. There, towards the end, like technically, he—I don't—I don't think he was, oh, he was yeah, very no, sharp. Yeah, fastball wasn't real good. But the voice, still, it's, something about that voice on a football game just grabbed me. He—he he was figuring out how to get strikes across throwing low eighties when he had been an <laughs> upper nineties guy for a really long time. Yeah, but you're right, that voice. Um, but it was time. I like Nestler a lot. It, it, it's funny, it, it, you know. I don't. I don't try to be, like, if I'm announcing a game, I don't try to be anybody else. I, I I don't think that would work for me. I mean, there's some guys that probably can pull off trying to be another announcer. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be Gus Johnson. I'm not trying to be Chris Fowler or, or anybody else. But the voice that, this is strange. This may sound really weird to you guys. Sometimes if I'm making a call, there's like a subconscious voice in my head that I hear, and it's Brad Nestler's. I don't know why. 
I feel like a mix of Brad Nestler and Ron Franklin. It's just been so long yeah. since Ron Franklin was was doing those games. I was putting you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. If you are an executive and you get to handpick, and NFL guys too, bring whoever you want. You get to handpick two guys in the booth, guy or girl on the sideline, calling a game the best trio in football. Who are you picking? Richard Cross. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I think you are a good announcer. Um, oh, like, like for me, I mean, he's not—he doesn't do it anymore. Obviously, and he's no longer with us. But Ron Franklin is the greatest college football announcer of all time for me. Bor- when I, Borky, when I heard Ron Franklin's question, voice, I, I, I knew it was agree. a big game. Is your question though, Borky, among announcers that are working right now? If you had to do it today. Nestler is probably my play-by-play guy. Uh, <sighs> trying to think, I always like when Nestler and Blackledge work together. Love well, they were Blackledge. fantastic. Really, really good. And then on the sidelines, I mean, I like having Cole, a guy like Cole down there. I like having a former player down there who's who is down low and can see. So, I mean, I'll go with those three. Um. Nestler or Tarico with either Joel Klatt or Todd Blackledge. I think Joel Klatt is really, really talented. Sideline, I, I, I don't know. Um, it depends on what you want in that role, doesn't it? Kaylee Hartung was really, really good on the sideline several years ago. Yeah. I like her. Um, I think Chris Budden does a good job. She's worked really hard and does a good job. It's like, do you, but, you know, it's, do you want sideline analyst or do you want sideline reporter? And I think that's two different things. It's probably Laura. Like, if you said if it's sideline reporter, I'd put Laura there. If you gave me Mike Tirico with Joel Klatt and Laura Rutledge for the number one college football game every week, it's a pretty darn good team right there. Tirico's great. and I mean, he does all, all kinds of sports, too, mm-hmm. and he nails them all. He's most versatile broadcaster of this generation, I think. And while I agree with Haydad, Ron Franklin is my favorite of all time. If you said you have to, from any generation, take a play-by-play announcer and an analyst and a sideline reporter, Keith Jackson would be my play-by-play announcer. I could live with that. Yeah, you live with that one? We'll wrap it up with you. And uh, we'll get to your C Spire text line thoughts coming up in just a bit. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to the the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi.
because I expected a lot of opinions on if you could just take any play-by-play and color analyst, Borky threw this out there, and make them the lead college football crew, or maybe specifically the lead college football crew for the SEC. And he, he added sideline reporter in as well. Who would you who would you give? Who would you go with? Somebody said Chris and Al. Oh, that was actually in response. Said the two guys that used to do Sunday night football were really good. And I said, are you talking Mike Patrick, Joe Theismann, Paul McGuire? He said, no, Chris and Al. I was like, oh, you mean like a couple of years ago did Sunday night football? They still do Sunday night football most of the time, don't they? Or is Tariko, I guess it's Tariko and Chris now. But, hey, did you go back to Sunday night football when we were in junior high, high school? Mike yeah. Patrick, College. Joe Theismann, Paul McGuire. Yeah. They were great. That was a crew. They were great. That was a great crew. Um, somebody said just the most underrated college football announcers were Dave Neal and Andre Ware as a duo, in my opinion. That's from Jake. And I said, Jake, wait, what? Dave's fine. I like Dave, but Andre? Maybe, maybe Dave brought out the best in Andre. Maybe that's what it was. He's he's on the Friday night games now. Um, somebody said uh, Louie went with Keith Jackson, Kirk Herbstreet, Laura Rutledge as his combo. Somebody said they used to enjoy listening to Matt Millen do NFL on the radio. He was pretty good on the radio. Keith Jackson, John Gruden, and then either Laura Rutledge or Alyssa Lang on the sideline. Okay. Oh, you know, what? Hold on. Um, I'm going. I'm going pre Aaron Andrews, pre Laura Rutledge. Melissa Stark was great. Great on the side. She's still doing it, isn't she? She, uh, yeah. NFL. What? What does she yeah. do now? I think she's on. Isn't she on Sunday Night Football? Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. A lot of votes for Keith Jackson. Somebody said RG3 is an excellent game analyzer and good in the booth. He is a very different style yeah. than He's very millennial. And, and the thing, I think you've already got some people who are trying to copy him, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, you can only do the one. No one's saying uh, Sumrall and Madden. It's been a while. I mean, it has. That's that's. I mean, because I think of them. The first thing I think of is the game, is is more than the actual the NFL. I think about playing Madden. Chris Boniol on the kickoff. <laughs> Goodness. Goodness. Oh, uh, the Monday Night Crew from the seventies. Oh, so we're talking about Dandy Don. And Frank Gifford and Howard Cosell? Is that the crew we're talking about? This is Howard Cosell. Uh, Not a single mention. See, this is how um, I I can gauge the age of our audience. No disrespect intended. I I didn't get to grow up on Keith Jackson. Brent Musburger was like the big voice guy when I was a kid. Yeah. You I still are think of, looking again, live. I mean that that was that I grew, was me when I grew up as a kid. When I grew up as a kid, Musburger was the host of the NFL Today. He was a studio show guy. 
Fred Musburger, Irv Cross, and Jimmy the Greek. Mm. See, that was that was kind of gone, hey, Dad, ahead of me. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jimmy the Greek, uh, he, he messed up. I, uh, I have a friend who has a strong opinion. I'm going to edit the message that he sent me, and he said, Dr. Jerry Punch, you jerk. He didn't call me a jerk. Do you like, I do like Jerry, Dr. Jerry Punch. And the late Adrian Karsten in his suspenders on the sideline. Very good. Very when good. Had, when you had Ron Franklin and uh, Mike Godfrey and Adrian Karsten on the sideline. Yeah. Hmm. Can we get a vote for Jack Crystal, by the way? I'm going to throw him in. No TV, but just to call the game. Jack Crystal at his best. Oh, yeah. And I'm saying, can, can I say from from the mid-'80s through the mid-2000s, maybe even into the late-2000s, yeah. as, as kind of the golden era of Jack Crystal, was as technically sound as anyone who has ever talked into a microphone. In terms of describing what was going on. Somebody said, how has nobody mentioned Chris Berman? Did some play-by-play for baseball. He was never a football play-by-play guy. Yeah. 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 This is fun. A little memory lane stuff here. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We will take a timeout, and we'll be back with you. Four o'clock hour coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Clock hour on a Thursday afternoon with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Do you know about Connect and Protect? It's the best of both worlds. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you, just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. We um, kind of turn our attention to the to the games that are coming up this weekend, and we'll do that in just a minute. I, I do think that the, the most recent developments in the whole Michigan cheating scandal are worth at least mentioning if we don't go into a deep discussion. There was a video call today with Big Ten coaches and the commissioner, Tony Petiti, and the coaches apparently let it fly. 90 minutes included nearly an hour without Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh who hung up after the regularly scheduled Big Ten business to allow the conference's coaches to speak freely about the NCAA's investigation into his program. 
According to five different sources, this from ESPN, a chorus of voices encouraged Petiti to take action against Michigan in a call that was described as both intense and emotional. Here's one quote. Collectively, the coaches want the Big Ten to act right now, said a source familiar with the call. What are we waiting on? We know what happened. Coaches used words like tainted, fraudulent, and unprecedented to describe Michigan's signal-stealing scheme. Much of the call was coaches explaining to Petiti both how it worked and how it impacted them and their programs. Another quote, people don't understand the seriousness of it, how it truly impacted the game plan. To truly know if it's a run or a pass, people don't understand how much of an advantage that was for Michigan. And the same source said, I don't think the Big Ten understood how upset everyone was. The tenor of the call was asking the Big Ten to show leadership, the conference and the presidents. An unprecedented violation of the rules would require unprecedented action from the Big Ten. Close quote. Obviously, those are sources. There are no names attached to them. People familiar with the content of the call. Ross told us earlier that he thinks that it is unlikely that the Big Ten acts without the backing, I'm I'm paraphrasing, of the NCAA. That he could see kind of a joint presentation from the NCAA and the Big Ten to Michigan of, here's what we've got. We can't move forward as is. But without saying it, it sounded to me like Ross was saying if the Big Ten acted alone and penalized Michigan right now while some sort of an investigation is ongoing, although Bill Bender told us yesterday the Big Ten hasn't even started its own investigation. And so if they just acted, it sounded to me like Ross was saying that they were opening themselves up to a legal battle with Michigan. Like Michigan would seek an injunction, depending on where the hearing was held. It might be granted, it might not be granted. And I feel like every day there's a new layer of this that makes it worse for Michigan. Yeah. And this one, you know, part of it, I assume, is motivation to tear down the best team in the conference. I mean, if if Alabama got caught with an elaborate cheating scheme like this, I sure hope Lane Kiffin and Zach Arnett would be calling Greg Sankey every day and trying to bring Alabama down. I would hope that they would do that. But it's clear that some of the people reacting to this haven't read anything about it. All the way up to people like Clay Travis, who had a really dumb take today that ESPN was going hard in on Michigan because they're mad that... Fox is airing Big Ten football moving forward. Just remarkably stupid. Uh, What Michigan has clear as day done for years now is not what everybody else does. It's very different. People use this analogy with, with Ole Miss back in their NCAA investigation days. This wasn't going 75 and a 70. This is doing 125 in a school zone, man. This guy was standing behind the coordinators with the sheet in hand.
telling them what play was coming. Run or pass. It's, and more specific. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just run or pass. It was this run, this pass. He had the whole, and, and you see it on the TV, he had the whole sheet of all of this. And, and again, it's clear that people haven't read exactly how this was obtained and, and what typical sign stealing is. Because we'll just change your signs. That That is completely and totally impractical. For 12 games, the week leading up to the game, to completely change your signals for make your Phil Longo jokes. But Phil Longo ha- has 30 plays. Could you imagine changing every signal for 30 plays for 85 kids 12 times and expecting 100% retention on that? You change what you think got exposed... You change when you have a staff member go from one school to the other. Somebody on Twitter today mentioned Tyler Siski to me. I thought, well, if, if he was able to decipher Ole Miss's signals, that's Ole Miss's fault, having worked on the staff. You expect him to be up in the booth telling Alabama what he thinks is coming because he worked on the staff. That wasn't obtained against the rules. He was I mean, in the meetings for however many years he worked at Ole Miss. Totally different thing. Yeah. Hey, Dan, if you were in charge of the Big Ten right now, what punishment would you levy? Mm-hmm. You know, I, all I have is circumstantial evidence. I have a whole boatload of it, but I don't have that smoking gun. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, my, 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 my thought is if, they, if we could prove what the circumstantial evidence says, then you, you got to shut them down. The season's over. But since I, I don't have true proof at this point, I feel like they, you know, you, you can't, because you, you open yourself up for all sorts of, of bad things if you, if you overreact there. Do we not have true proof, though? I mean, the, we I have, was going to say, is the video of the guy on the sidelines saying what play is coming next and video of him in opposing venues scouting, is that not? I mean, can we hear him? When we see what they do, I get that. But, that, I mean, Michigan could tell us that's anything. But for, forget him talking to the coordinators. They've got him. They, I mean, they've got the computer, remember. Don't forget about that story. They've got the computer. Yeah, but they have, what has come, what's come from that, though? We haven't heard any more. Yeah. But well, and going it's not like to, they're laying out every piece of evidence for the public to consume. But that in right. and of itself. Well, no, I, I get that, yeah. I get that, but I just I feel like if they overreact and they do something, it's going to be one of those things where they come back later and they're just like, oh, we really, really messed up good this time, guys. Yeah. I mean, I get that that's the risk that you run. And and maybe you just got to let it play out. But I mean, what if what if Michigan wins the national championship, and then six months from now, what we think is true right now is proven to be true? We're gonna we're gonna vacate a national championship. You know where I stand on that. Okay, take I it know. away. I know. I saw it with my eyes. That's one of those things where you have to the the, the punishment after the fact would have to be really really harsh. If they, if they were able to prove everything and Michigan won, it would have to be like, well, you're, I'm glad you won this one because you're not winning one anytime soon after that. You're going to take a couple seasons off. 
Yeah. And if if I'm a Big Ten school, I mean, there's now pictures and videos of Stallions doing this, relaying signals to Michigan coaches, all the way back to 2018. Remember, he's only officially, formally been on the the staff for a year and a half. But those text messages came out where he was talking about before COVID, he was able to do it too. Well, they they found him because all these games are on TV and they show the sidelines a lot. And buddy, he is right there on the sidelines in 2018 and 2019 doing the exact same thing. In 2020, he wasn't able to because remember, they limited sideline access. He wasn't there. Michigan stunk in 2020. Imagine that. But any close game that Michigan's played in, if I'm Ohio State or Wisconsin or whoever has played in those games, I'm losing my mind. Because knowing not only run or pass, but what specific run or pass for a full game changes the outcome of the game. And as we know, how many millions of dollars in some cases is on the line in the outcome of some of these games? You can prove damages. At least you th- a good lawyer can. Yeah, you're right. Scott says, just get the green dot radio helmets and the problem solves itself. There's some coaches that don't want that, though. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. (laughs) On Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday, and we have uh, we, we are late getting to the winner from the Polk's Pick Six last week. Sorry for that, but we need to uh, we give you a little, little little stat update. Hey, Dad, six hundred seventy nine entrants last week picking games that included Mississippi State at Auburn, Vanderbilt at Ole Miss, Southern Miss at App State, Oregon at Utah. Florida, Georgia, in Jacksonville, and South Carolina at Texas A&M. So, I think Will picked the games, and he did not put any curveballs in there. And it was a chalky week. Would you guys care to guess how many people last week went 6-0? and Hey, Dad already told me. Hey, Dad's got the number? I do have the number. 212. <laughs> 212 people went 6-0. and And we had five that had 40 as their tiebreaker. Um, by the way, last time we did cave in and we ended up sending out two prize packages when we had two people, I don't think I've got authorization to send out five of them. So we will uh, we we will come up with a should should we do the like pick a number do it on air hey dad you give me one two three four five and then I'll go to the corresponding yeah, sure. all right yeah all right so 
Hold up the uh, the requisite number of fingers on the count of three. If you're watching on Super Talk TV, you can see this. I'm, how many? What is my number again? Between one and what? Five. One, two, three, five. four, five. And if you pick one and you stick your middle finger up at me, I'm going to punch you through the television. <laughs> if I had a way to do that, I would. I would. All right. Give me, uh, give me, give me the number one through five on the count of three. One, two, three. He held up four fingers. Four. All right, so our fourth 40 for a tiebreaker. Plus it's Mike and Oxford. One, he can't win two, again. One, two, three. Good grief, there's so many of these. Uh, Brad. Brad is our winner. Um, All right, Brad. Congrats. Brad, I, I don't, I'm not going to, like, shout out his last name and everything. So we'll get Brad's contact info. And we remind you that you can participate in the Polk's Pick 6 for your chance to win a six-pack of Polk's Sausage. Uh, supertalk.fm slash Polk's. Supertalk.fm slash Polk's. Just go in and pick those six games and uh, give us your contact information, and you will have a chance to win the games this weekend. Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Kentucky at Mississippi State. ULM at Southern Miss. LSU at Alabama. Missouri. At Georgia and Kansas State at Texas. Total number of points in A&M Ole Miss is the tiebreaker this week. So, there we go. Um, Supertalk.fm slash Polks. That will get you to the Polks pick six. You still got time to uh, get your entries in for this week. So, let's talk a little bit about the games that are coming up this weekend. In the SEC alone, the slate's pretty darn good. A&M and Ole Miss, that's at 11 a.m. UConn, Tennessee, woo, at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. Okay. Arkansas, Florida, 11 o'clock on ESPN2. It's an important one for both. It's more important for Arkansas than it is for Florida. Yeah, Napier's not getting fired this year. They've kind of righted the ship anyway, and he's recruiting too well to just not see that through after two years. Arkansas is 0-5 in the SEC, and they have lost six straight games. They are 2-6 and overall. You know it's going to be... I don't know what Arkansas is going to look like next week if they lose, but Auburn is in Fayetteville next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Auburn's a better team than Arkansas right now. They are. Yeah, they are, for sure. It's a weird like, place to go up there and win, still, though. It is. They're still playing with some, some zip. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, not so much. Although Arkansas State could look South completely different this week, so I don't know. They could. What makes you think they could, though? Fired offensive coordinator. Could, could. Be a little bit of a spark. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville State at South Carolina, that also is at 11 a.m. So a heavy 11 a.m. slate, and that's because of not putting a game head-to-head with the primetime game on CBS. That's my fishy line of the week game right there. South Carolina is a 15.5-point favorite? They uh, have any business being a 15.5-point favorite over anybody, let alone a pretty good group of five team. I know he's got his past and and all that stuff, uh, but Rich Rod, I assume, with a win here, could 
Is his agent Jimmy? They're, all their agents are Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy could use this as some ammo for the open jobs that are, that are coming. It may not get him one, but you go beat South Carolina with Jacksonville State and move to 8-2 and two on the season. I mean, he already should be attractive to at least somebody out there, I think, with how, how they've done, but that's legitimizing the record. Has he found something? Has he rediscovered himself? Or is it the same Rich Rye that was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss a few years ago? I mean, the results tend to make you think it's the the former there, don't you? Isn't that a great case study, though? Or won't he be a great case study? And sometimes people just are meant for the level that they're on. Maybe Rich Rod's just not a big – maybe he's not a Michigan coach. You know, maybe Tom Herman's not a Texas coach. So, some guy – Tom Herman? Nick Saban's not an NFL – clearly was not an NFL coach. Didn't work there. I mean, you think about the run for Rich Rod, 01-07 at West Virginia, and they were good. Really good. What, upset by Pitt and kept him out of the – Championship game, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, three Ole, years Ole Miss Michigan. fans are sick, uh, sick to death still of fourth and 25. You still had to win a couple games, though, to possibly make the playoff. West Virginia was beat an unranked Pittsburgh team, and you're going to the national championship game, yeah. and they couldn't do it. Eight, nine, and ten at Michigan. Pretty decent run at Arizona. He was there from 2012 to 2017 and took the really awesome Old West photos for the uh, media guide. You know, Rich Rod in the duster and the cowboy boots. They won four Big East titles. Won the A-Sun last year in his first year at Jacksonville State. And... um, So he was he was with Terry Bowden at ULM in 2021, mm-hmm. and now in his second season at uh, at Jacksonville State. We'll see. Sixty years old, sixteen and four in two seasons at uh, Jack State. Can't deny that. No, Missouri at Georgia. Georgia's a fifteen and a half point favorite. You remember that game in Columbia last year? How weird that one was. And you're like, ah, Georgia's going to wake up. Georgia's going to wake up. You got to the fourth quarter, you're like, if Georgia's going to wake up, they better wake up. And then they did, and they escaped with the win. I think Missouri had to kick some field goals when they needed to be scoring touchdowns, and that was probably was the difference in the game. My guess is that Missouri has Georgia's full attention, which is a dangerous place to be. Will this be a game? Can this be a game or uh uh-uh? Anyone? I feel like it can be close early and then it gets away. But if it's close early, it might go the whole time like it did last year. But I, I, I think Georgia I think Georgia is I think the engine is finally heated up on them. 
and uh, and they're about to, to roll through the rest of the schedule until they get to Alabama. Can they get up again and then again? This stretch for Georgia is now fascinating. Because big rivalry game with Florida, they they ended up playing well, beat them pretty soundly. But now they got to get up again. And the next Saturday they got to get up again. And then the next Saturday they got to get up again. We thought they were going to get a bunch of breaks this year. This month, four weeks anyway. I know it's not just one whole month. Those are four games that you've got to get up and play well to win every week. Yep. And can they do that? If anybody can, it's them, but can they? Auburn at Vandy, 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. Vandy got one last stand in them? You hope? Maybe? No? We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon, inching closer to another college football weekend. John Talty joins us now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. John is with 24-7 Sports. And we're talking LSU, Alabama. John, it's been the game of the century. It's been the game of the year. It's been the game of the, I don't know, fill in your uh, your qualifier. What is this year? The, the game of the what this year for Alabama and LSU? And does it have the same juice that it's had in some of the recent seasons? Yeah, it definitely doesn't compare to some of those really highly regarded ones, uh, game of the century being the biggest. And then, you know, 2019 with Joe Burrow and that really stacked LSU team were certainly more highly regarded, more hype. I mean, it's, I think it's the game of the weekend. Um, at, at minimum, it's the game of the time slot, you know, night game. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly not the game of the year. Um, both of these teams, you know, I think have a lot at stake. I'm sure Ole Miss fans will be watching closely uh, just in terms of how it impacts because it could impact the West race in a pretty big way. But, you know, Alabama coming into this weekend, number eight in the CFP rankings, I know they don't mean anything, uh, but that is the lowest that they've been in a first ranking. So I think just in general, there's just a little bit less of that buzz, less of that hype when we've seen some of these teams where they're both, you know, top three, top five teams coming into this game. I feel like part of the reason there's less buzz is because Alabama had the early loss to, to Texas, and they just, I don't know, it's almost like the South Florida game still lingers. Like, regardless of how much better this team has gotten along the way, how much better the running game has gotten, how much better Jalen Milrow has gotten along the way, people still have that image of what happened down in Tampa in their mind, and they're like, how can it be the same team? And yet Alabama kind of... I hate that phrase controls its own destiny, but but they can win themselves into this playoff still. Yeah, the path is definitely there. I mean, they have to win out. Losing to Texas in week two eliminated any margin of error that they might have had. But I think if they win out, um, having wins over Ole Miss and Tennessee already 
you beat LSU, and then ultimately you're going to have to likely go through Georgia in the SEC championship. I think if Alabama wins all those games, yeah, I do think they get in. Again, that's there's a lot you know, of games to be played between now and then, but the path is certainly there. But I agree with you. I think that there's still not full buy-in with this team. I think part of it is just because they play differently than some of these Alabama teams we've seen in the past. Uh, they fall behind uh, frequently. They you know, were losing at halftime against Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Tennessee. Ultimately, they win all three of those games. But I think depending on when you tune in to an Alabama game, you can see them do some things that don't feel like your typical Nick Saban-led Alabama team. So I think people just don't trust them yet, understandably so. They are a roller coaster of a team. Uh, they can be very fun to watch at times. At other times, you wonder, like, you know, what, what am I watching, basically? So I think that's why there's still that hesitation. But, you know, if every, t- every game they win, I think they build up a little bit more goodwill. And I think, you know, beating an LSU team that, as you well know, has a high-powered offense that's really dynamic, I think that's a real big test for them. And I think if they are able to beat LSU this weekend, I think you'll see more people buy into this idea of maybe they're not the best Alabama team, but they will have a shot to be there at the end come playoff time. I don't think there's any debate that that Nick Saban is a grinder. And it it doesn't always look that way. But, John, you've covered and written about and written a book about Nick Saban, you know, arguably spend as much time covering him as, as anybody over the last decade or so. Do you get the impression that he is enjoying the, to use his word, process more this year than maybe in some years where they were unblemished at this point of the season? Yeah, because I think you're pressing different buttons. You know, I think now at the end of the season, uh, he probably enjoyed those teams where they were so good that his biggest challenge was finding ways to keep them performing at a really high level. I feel like this team requires more of a coaching up type mentality. It's more of, we don't have enough talent to just straight up blow teams out, uh, just rolling out into the field the way, you know, there are times where you watch them and, you know, some of those, I can remember that Alabama Notre Dame championship game where you felt like Alabama just walking off the bus was going to crush them. And they did like, that's not what this team is. And so, I think it's a it's a challenge that he seems to relish. You know, I think it keeps him young. You know, turned seventy two earlier this week, but I think it's a team like this that he knows. Like, I've really got to give it everything. I've got to be as good of a teacher as I can be, be as good of a coach as I can be, if we're going to win these games. So, I think there's frustration. You know, I hear from some different people. There's times where whether it's after a practice or after a game, where he's almost just shaking his head, like I don't even really know what I just watched. Uh, which I think a lot of fans feel the same way. So there are times where he is frustrated and all those different things because this team is, you know, again, they, they make mistakes, they do some dumb stuff. But I think overall there is a big part of him that really enjoys getting to work with a program where, again, he's almost able to be a little bit of an underdog because he has to build them up versus just trying to temper expectations the way sometimes they are when they're far and away the top team in the country. John Talty, 24-7 Sports, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We're talking Alabama, LSU. So so what about on the other side? I mean, this is an LSU team that has as explosive an offense as there is in the country, maybe the best collection of wide receivers on any team, uh, a quarterback that is very much in the Heisman conversation, and you can make the argument that he's playing better than any other quarterback in the country. And yet on the defensive side, they, they have shown signs of life over their last couple of ball games, albeit one of those against Army, but they've been so, so bad defending the pass. 
What do you make of LSU, John? I think it's fascinating. I'm really excited about this game because I think it's two teams that are almost polar opposites in which Alabama has a really good defense, I think potentially a championship-caliber defense. And on the flip side, I think LSU has a championship-caliber offense. But for Alabama, a lot of it's been, man, if the offense can just be good enough, we can win this game because the defense will keep us in it. And on the flip side, LSU, it's just, if our defense can just be good enough, if we can get a stop here or there, our offense can win us this game. So it's a fun strength-on-strength strength kind of matchup. You know, LSU's obviously been really banged up defensively. You know, I would expect Alabama to attack that. You know, coming into this game, I kind of envision a little bit of what we saw from Alabama against Texas A&M in which, you know, you're facing a defense that can definitely get after the, the quarterback. You know you're going to probably take some shots. Alabama's offensive line has not been very good this year. It's gotten a little bit better the last couple of games, but it's been a challenge. The running game has not been super efficient. So I think they're going to have to take some shots downfield, uh, and I think you just have to accept, like, let's go a little boomer bust here. We'll take a sack or two, but let's hope we can make some big plays against you know, LSU secondary that, that's given up big plays, and I just yeah. think you're going to have to try to keep up a little bit, knowing that LSU is going to put up points. All right, so so last thing, maybe who is that wide receiver that has to emerge into the the go to guy for that type play, or are there multiple guys? Because LSU they had four transfers that they expected to be in the secondary playing. None of them are healthy enough to go this week, so it's going to be freshmen in the back end of the defense, and no Makai Wingo. Yeah, and so I think for, for Bama, you know, offensively, like I, I think that like a Jermaine Burton type who had a huge okay. game against uh, A&M, I think he had 197 yards, two touchdowns. Isaiah Bond was really good. I think they've got guys they can go to. At the beginning of the season, they really didn't. Uh, but Burton's a guy who plays with a lot of energy, sometimes too much energy. He gets himself in trouble, talks a lot of trash, those kind of things. He's a little different than your typical Nick Saban player, but he's been the guy that they've gone to when they really need big plays. And so – I could see, especially early in the game, you know, trying to feed him, trying to get him going, because I think he can have a big game, uh, especially at home, night game. Crowd's going to be into it. Uh, I think it's going to be fun to see how they try to attack. It's certainly going to be a juiced-up environment, which will make for a uh, fun Saturday night at Bryant-Denny. John, always appreciate your time. Good catching up. Sounds good. Appreciate you. Talk to you down the line. That's John Talty, uh, 24-7 Sports, covers Alabama, and um, – I mean, guess when, when you think about how bad that LSU defense has been, and then you go, okay, the entire starting secondary out, and now Makai Wingo not playing in this game as well. I mean, Harold Perkins can't play all 11 positions on the defensive side. And I felt like, and, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, I felt like in the second half against Missouri and certainly against Army, that this LSU defense finally showed maybe a little bit of playmaking ability, a little bit, mm-hmm. and against Auburn, where I mean they gave up 18 points against a terrible Auburn team as well. I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping at straws on that. No, you're right though. And, and it this... feels like you are. <laughs> you're right that they were. There was some semblance of okay. There's something here, and then they get banged up. And this is going to be one of those rare Bryant-Denny games where that place is truly hostile. It's never easy to play in front of 100,000 people, but but they don't bring the hostility every week. It's not known for that. It'll be that 
on Saturday. Yeah. Like game impacting I agree. the hospital I agree. Saturday. I think what I was thinking about with that Missouri, I look, Missouri scored 39 points and Brady Cook threw for 411. So I'm not trying to sell you on the fact that LSU's defense was good. But at the end of that game, they got a turnover on downs, an interception return for a touchdown, and forced a missed field goal at the end. I don't know. We'll see. We're back with you after this. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Kevin on the ceasefire text line says, This game, talking about LSU and Alabama, is truly going to be strength against strength when LSU has the ball and iffy against iffy when Bama has the ball. Should be fun to watch either way. It's a pretty good characterization. Is Bama's offense any more than iffy at this point? It's okay. They're better than they it's were fine. early. There's a lot of yeah. teams in the country that would take it, but for their standards, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. It's Alabama this year, 56 on Middle Tennessee in a win, 24 in a loss to Texas, 17 in a win over South Florida, 24 in a win over Ole Miss, 40 in a win against State, 26 against A&M in a win. 24 against Arkansas in a win, 34 against Tennessee in a win. One of those scores is not like the other. Can you explain to me how Alabama-Arkansas is 24-21? Even a bad team can show up, and a good team can not. It happens every year. There's, I mean, We talked about last year, Missouri and, uh, and Georgia. Alabama will need fill-in-the-blank points. To beat LSU on Saturday. 35. 35. I, 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 I say need. That's what I think they'll get. 28. LSU this year scored 24 in a loss at Florida State, 72 over Grambling, 41 against State, 34 against Arkansas, 49 in a loss to Ole Miss. Jeez. 49 in a win at Missouri, 48 in a win against Auburn, 62 in their win against Army. So patriotic. They scored 48 or more in four straight games. Best defense they've seen so far. Yes. I think all since Florida State. Maybe Florida State notwithstanding. Certainly since Florida State. And certainly in this four-game stretch, although Missouri's defense is not terrible, not and terrible, Auburn's defense but... is not terrible. Auburn's defense is not bad, and they hung 48 on them. Yeah, but, I mean, they were just getting the ball back so fast. I've... Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the texture that said it's strength on iffy and strength on it, you got kind of a similar phenomenon uh, or iffy on iffy and strength on strength. You have kind yeah. of 
a similar phenomenon, though totally opposite in Oxford on Saturday. I've been thinking about this. So Lane Kiffin is right. We get a text here asking if it's a trap game. That, that roster cannot be a, a trap Only game. Only the fans. Yeah. That, that, there's no way that roster is a trap game. No shot. Uh, A&M's strength is getting after the quarterback. Defensive line. They're among the best in the country at sacks and pressures and stuff. They are elite there, quite frankly. Ole Miss's weakness, I think, if you told me, what's their biggest weakness? At least on offense, it's protection. Vanderbilt sacked Jackson Dart three times. Uh, so, so they've struggled in protection this year. Strength on weakness. Well, we'll turn the page. A&M's got you know, good tight end, a couple of NFL explosive wide receivers. At least one of them in the return game is that anyway. They don't protect. And, and Johnson's not particularly good in the pocket. Old Miss, uh, despite the, the offseason stuff about you know, building the defense through the portal and these guys aren't impressive or, or whatever it was, they're like fourth in the SEC or, or, or one of the top 15 teams in the country in sacks and pressures and TFLs. So that's a strength for Ole Miss is getting after the quarterback and yards before contact running the football. Ole Miss isn't the best in the SEC. Teams average fewer than two yards before contact running the football against this Ole Miss defense. That's Ole Miss cr- has crazy. 30 sacks this year. And it should be more. They've missed opportunities. They really get after the quarterback. And so you've got strength on weakness, and then when the other team has the ball, it seems like you've got strength on weakness. So which offensive line is going to be able to keep their quarterback protected better? That's the, And that sounds elementary because, well, you know, you got to block if you're going to win games, but it's especially evident in this one where you've got two offensive lines that struggle and give up pressure and two defensive lines that really get after the quarterback and are exceptional at, at doing that. So which one is going to hold up better? Answer that question. I tell you who wins the game. Yeah, just some quick numbers for this Ole Miss defense. 63 tackles for loss, 30 sacks, 9 interceptions, and 4 fumbles recovered on 6 forced fumbles. So 13 turnovers created. Where is Ole Miss in turnover margin? Um, ooh, I don't have it handy. They're among the best in the country. I can't tell you the exact number because it fluctuates weekly, but they have maintained their status as one of the best teams in, in creating turnovers in the country. So Ole Miss has fumbled eight times, and they've only lost one of them. And Ole Miss has thrown, as a team, five interceptions. So Ole Miss is plus seven in turnover margin for the year. That's a pretty good number at this point of the season. We'll be right back. Five o'clock hour coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Mississippi, 
Streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Thursday afternoon, 5 o'clock hour, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, Haydad, is the home of what? So much, but for me, I'm all about the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Because nothing better, nothing on this earth better than fall golf. Except maybe a trip to Mama and M's after your round. I I would recommend that. I was convinced you were going to say the sports book. Convinced of it, but that's okay. Hey, if 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 our friends, I have vices, and if our friends that are listening wanted to make a tea time, how would they go about doing that? Well, Brian Haydad would call his buddy uh, his buddy Ryan down there at uh, down there, and he would just take care of it for him. Uh, he, you don't have to do any of those other things. I don't know. I don't know what the peasants have to do. Nail it. How about dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tea time? There you go. Today or for the weekend, you'll love it. Oh, what a! How good would that be this weekend? If you weren't going to Oxford, Ooh, you weren't going to Starkville. Go over. Well, you could be going to Starkville. You can you go could. to Starkville, get a round in, and then get to the game. No problem. You no problem. Well, I was thinking. Allow me to recommend book. that. Meal, golf, maybe back to sports book, little poker room, and then boom, had to start one. You got it. Looking forward to being at uh, at Pearl River Resort. There next week, right? Couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, not next week. Week after. Week after. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Week after next. The uh, the Monday leading into the next to last week of the regular season. This is the point where Haydad looks at his calendar and goes, Richard, I've told you, it's November the 20th. Is that right? For the, which, which one? For Oxford? The 20th. No, 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 no. For, uh, oh, it'll be the Golden 13th. Moon? I don't know what the date is. Yeah. 13th? Is that right? I feel like we Hold can on. figure this out off It's the air. 16th. There we go. It's the 16th. Okay. I'll trust you. November 16th. Good to know. Now, you can Thanks. trust me. Thanks, Borky. That was a good idea that you had. Why don't we just do this all fair? Um, I will tell you, you can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. You get a message like this, perfect ad read, flex. Nailed it, honestly. Uh, also, Brian, nothing about you says golf. That's not nice. Really? I feel like I look almost exactly like Craig Stadler in his prime. The issue is, though, you're you're losing weight. When he lost weight, he started playing poorly, so he put it back on because his body was so used to swinging. What can you say? Yeah. Fat elites are the best athletes. Fat elites? Fat elites. Shaq. Jack. Sports Talk Refrigerator Perry. We're glad to exactly. be with you. Ben Roethlisberger, Super Bowl o'clock. winner. It's John time for the Crump. college football fix. Let's just name big guys for the next hour. Hey, Me, so the, uh, my dad. In real time, when I did the UTSA-FAU game a couple of weeks ago, I didn't say fat guy. We got a ball tipped into the air. Defensive lineman pulls it down. He goes waddling in, and as he's crossing the goal line, I go, 
Pig Man Touchdown! Yes. Great. Uh-huh. Felt like that was just the right tenor. What do they call that? The part of my take, guys? What is it? The Piesman? Yeah, the Piesman Trophy. Yeah. 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 What, was it them? I can't remember. Either way. Yeah, the, the best big guy touchdown of the year. May I remind you that the College Football Fix is brought to you by... Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. We were talking about... Jared Lorenzen. Charles Barkley. C.C. Sabathia. The round mound of... uh, Sabathia got skinny. Round mound of rebound. Oliver Miller. Ooh. Ah. That's, that's pre-Borky. Rest his soul. I know. Jared Lorenzen. That's who I just said. Oh, I missed I it. I just said Jared Lorenzen. I, he just he just gave you the Pillsbury I'm, throw. I'm sitting board. here thinking about him, thinking about it, waiting for my the turn. Yeah, yeah. Raheem Lockhart. Good one. Anthony oh, Boone. That's a good one. Eh, yeah. Wes Ray. Ooh. Sykes Orvis? Sykes, yes. He could rake. Fat Anastash. We can't go wrong. Bartolo Colon? He's a big guy. Big. Yeah. Uh, No, yes. Yes. No, he's not. College football fix. Never mind. they, They just started a new Saudi baseball league. And he is over there with a bunch of other 40-plus major leaguers, like 40 years old and plus major leaguers. Is he not 50? He's He is 50. Still got it, though. 50. Never lost old. it. Never lost it. years old for Bartolo Colon. Uh-huh. We need to pick a Saudi baseball team. By the way, they have incredible mascots. Uh, I'll take the... Um... Tyson Fury? I'll take the bone saws. Oh. You were very dismissive earlier of Vanderbilt's oh. chances against Auburn. You Who sure was? Borky was. I was? No, but I, was, I didn't no, say anything I said, about no, Vanderbilt. I, said, oh, I hope Vanderbilt wins that game. I thought you said no. I was like, has Vandy got a chance? And I thought you. No, you I said, said we oh. hope. I said, we uh, hope. I thought you said no. Yeah, I hope. Oh, man. I mean, I would just, I would just cackle. Uh, that would be so funny. I mean, especially he was feeling himself this week, taking shots at the media for not understanding the nuances of Mississippi State's blitz packages and, hey, you want to come over here on the whiteboard and do it for me? Turning around and doing that and losing to Vanderbilt would just, it would be beautiful. It would be why we are all so romantic about sports. I actually had no problem with his answer about no. the, uh, the question because it was a bad question. He did take it one step too far at the whiteboard thing, though. He did. What was did it, they, like, why field missile cross or something? Yeah, but he, he was right. The guy said, why weren't you aggressive? Uh, tell me when I could have been. Scud Rocket Patriot Missile 243. They did it all afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I don't know, hey, Dad. Jerome Bettis. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. James my, Harden when he wants to be Ruth. traded. That's my favorite. 
That's a, good a great one. text. Babe Ruth, greatest fat athlete, greatest fat athlete of all time. Sebastian Janikowski. Ooh, that's a good one. Sea bass. Renardo Sydney program wrecker. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. David Wells threw a perfect game. That's a, yeah, with a huge gut. He's a role model. Kentucky at Mississippi State. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for watchability. I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah. Especially when Alabama LSU is on. Oh, yeah. They're going to kick it about the same time. Because that SEC yeah. Network game is not kicking until like 642. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, we got to sit and listen to Dari in the studio. I need, I need more. I need twelve more minutes of that for sure before kickoff. Kentucky's a four and a half point favorite. Going up. Where did it start? It is going up. It was three and a half. Three and a half. Hmm. But the, it, you can't ignore the fact that Kentucky has. I mean, Haydad said it yesterday or the day before. Road team had one in this series for almost a decade. And Kentucky hasn't won in Starkville since 2008. That's a long time. So it is. It's, it's like one of those averages, or there's a trend worth following. Yeah. Normally, I would tell you there's a trend worth following. I because I, I you know I, I think that the road team just struggles in this series, but this Mississippi Mississippi State team is different than any team in the in this stretch. They're, they they are not good. They are. About as good as that 2008 team was that lost to Kentucky and Starkville. So that's that's not a. Uh, I I would not follow the trend on this one. I would buck the trend. Your your multi million dollar coach should work his you know what off every single week, mm-hmm. but this should be Zach Arnett's best shot. I assume he understands the score, pun kind of intended. This should be their their most prepared and best game plan of the season, considering what is at stake for him. Yeah, but how many times have you said that, or should you have been able to say that now? A lot, but still. time you've been disappointed? It's your college football fix. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. You're in the market for a Ford truck. Look no further than Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. They got a really good selection of F 150s right now. Drove through the lot day before yesterday, 
And uh, they've got some XLTs. They've got some Lariats. There are a couple of King Ranch options. Beautiful F-250 Super Duty on the lot in uh, the King Ranch finish. And uh, a couple of Expeditions on the lot. They have got you covered with new vehicles, but also... The used selection is really good. Whether you're looking for a car or an SUV or a truck, they've got you covered with the um, uh, the used selection, the pre-owned selection at Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can visit their website to see their inventory, belkford.net. If you're coming into town this weekend and you happen to be in the market for a new vehicle, just stop by on your way in to, uh, to see Ole Miss and look at what they've got. They will take care of you. They will treat you very, very well, especially – not exclusively, but especially if you tell them that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. That's us. Tell them we told you about them. Belkford, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Watchability. We have fun with this. I love it because I actually do kind of plan my screen based on this conversation every week. All right. Saturday morning, 11 o'clock, you've got a lot to choose from. A lot to choose from. Yeah, maybe we know what's on the front first TV. Yeah, Clemson-Notre Dame. To see Dabo have a losing record in November, that's TV one, buddy. Hold on, let me give you the We know what's on everybody else's TV. (laughs) You got Ohio State Rutgers on CBS. You got K-State Texas on Fox. You got A&M Ole Miss on ESPN. Notre Dame, Clemson on ABC. Arkansas, Florida, if you're a glutton on ESPN2. I just skipped the Tennessee game, sorry. Uh, Wisconsin, Indiana. Nebraska, Michigan State. Campbell, North Carolina. Okay, I'm done. Enough. Enough. All right, you have three screens. Organize them. Ole Miss A&M TV 1, for obvious reasons. Kansas State, Texas TV 2. Okay. Yeah. And I will have Clemson falling to four and five on my iPad in my lap for for the the, the close access to the hilarity. Uh, TV two is just kind of off to the left, and so I need something to right hug here. the laptop. Yeah. Seventeen nothing Ole Miss. Morky's just like this is so beautiful. <laughs> All right. The midday window. We're going to start that at what? Uh, ooh, Army and Air Force. That's at one thirty. I don't think that's garnering a screen, but you might check in on It'll be that. over with by 3.35. Good chance, if not for commercials. All right, 2.30. Missouri, Georgia on CBS. Mm. Florida State at Pittsburgh. No, no. Bedlam on ABC. Penn State, Maryland, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Ooh, Tulane, East Carolina. Tulane's a 17-point favorite. Uh, Iowa, Northwestern, from Wrigley Field, streaming on Peacock. Yeah. Over under, 30.5. Iowa is a five-point favorite, and the total is 30 and a half. True sicko mode. Mm. Do you have what it takes to watch that game? Do you do you have the machismo? I don't think you do. 
All right, Missouri, Georgia on the big TV. Bedlam on the yeah, second Bedlam, screen. Bedlam. Bedlam might go to one. That game is a, a, a game every year that I enjoy watching. What's the over-under, by the way? It is 61.5. OU is a six-point favorite. Take the over. It always goes over. Oklahoma has owned this rivalry and has absolutely owned Mike Gundy. Ending off with a win can remove the sting of a lot of things there. It's a big one. Oh, can you imagine if the mic drop? Because never, who knows when they'll play again. The mic drop to get the last win. Oh, my goodness. That'd be incredible. All right. So, yeah. Evening window. Uh... I'm trying to decide where we're going to start the evening window. Uh, Kansas at Iowa State, eh. BYU, West Virginia, eh. Oh, God, no. 6.30 ABC, Washington and Southern Cal. 6.30 SEC Network, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Eh. Uh, 6.45 CBS, LSU, Alabama. 7 o'clock ACC Network, Miami, NC State. you got five screens. Do any of us have the ACC Network, by the way? I don't. I do, I think. Yeah, I do. Okay. I don't have it. Oh, you've also got Purdue at Michigan in there. Ooh. That's on NBC. Not that that game grabs you, but maybe just because of the craziness, you stick your head in for a minute. They're yeah. playing a night game in Ann Arbor. No, it's a pretty cool scene. Mississippi State, Kentucky. Because it has to be. That's not going on my big screen. That's That's your second screen. Just need to have it on. Just follow me on Twitter. I'll keep you up to date. It'll be okay. I, I got I got LSU Bama on the big screen with Washington USC on the secondary screen and Kentucky Mississippi State on the iPad. Oh, we we're relegated to the iPad. Come on, man! But it's a nice iPad though. I mean, it's a okay. it's the pro. It's a, it's a, it's nice, a nice iPad. iPad. I mean, it's oh, the, it's, the, it's the pro. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As long as I go no, wait, man, it's gonna be great. So you're 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 you 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 must are you in the evening? What what is your game this weekend? Uh I have a two o'clock kickoff. I've got um UTSA at North Texas. Which could be fun, by the way. UTSA could be fun. Jeff well. Trailer. Jeff Might Trailer. Might want to let him know that I'm I said hello. I will. Never know. Never <laughs> Just know. Got my hands on uh I did not know until the other night that there is a Jeff Trailer book. My friend Hunter Taylor, really? who is a professor in the School of Education at Ole Miss and is a Texas native, wrote a book about Jeff Taylor, uh, Jeff Trailer called "Draw the Line." Jeff Trailer, the I might need to read that guys and a season deep in the heart of East Texas. A little uh, okay, material then. to start on the plane tonight. There you go. So. Not bad. North Texas got right. number so, nine so what you're saying country. is you you'll you'll be back at the hotel in time for these evening games. I'm flying home Saturday night. Um, oh, one of the one of the nice things about being in Dallas is you can actually get a flight out that comes back to Memphis on Saturday night. But I, my flight mm-hmm. doesn't leave until nine fifteen, I think. So okay. I get to the airport as quickly as I can and find a place that has multiple televisions so that I can have multiple games on TV and then have another game on the right. iPad. Multiple televisions and a, a fine bourbon selection would be a good, good good start for you. I don't know what it is of which you speak. 
<laughs> Just don't complain about it online when when you get the bill. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Not, not going to do that. Uh, there are a couple yeah, late games. Yeah. Uh, Stanford Wazoo. Oregon State at Colorado. Boise at Fresno State. UCLA at Arizona. You got some options. UCLA at Arizona has a little has a little uh, little pizzazz to it. Arizona's playing well. Coming off a good big win. Five and three. Arizona's one win away from from a bowl game. I yeah. know Jason. We hadn't heard from Jason on the ceasefire text line in a while. I don't know if he got mad. They don't at turn him. the ball over five times in Starkville. They're already bowl eligible. Yeah, they're six and two. You're right. I would imagine they are kicking themselves. Lisa and Claire yeah, they, 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 us that they YouTube TV has the four-game split screen. She said they picked right. the games, but I noticed last week that there were a couple of options. Well, there you go. Like they give you multiple four-game Got to figure next year they're going to have it where you can just pick your games, right? they got to do that. I think so. I'll switch if that's the case. But for now, I have the – my TVs are just like right next to each other that I don't need to do the four-way if I've – you know. I can create my own with more screen space. I am very much a millennial. I just realized how that sounded. <laughs> Mike in Oxford says he's got Kansas State and Oklahoma State on a money line parlay. That's K State over Texas and Oklahoma State over Oklahoma in Bedlam. Well, somebody says here on the, from the 228, you can pick them now. So. Oh, cool. Mm. I'm not aware of that. Maybe so. I, like, I've, I've read up on it and have tried to figure out how, but I, I would love to know how. Thanks for the tip. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. That's genteelapparel.com. I need to correct myself. I told you yesterday, uh, and I think I've said this for a while, I, I was mispronouncing the name of the store in Meridian that carries Genteel. It's actually Harry Mayer. So Harry Mayer in Meridian, carries Gentile. What, hey, <laughs> Go ahead, Richard Gross. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. That's uh, that's well-deserved. Um, you can also check out Chandelier Outfitters in Ocean Springs. If you want to check me on the pronunciation of that, that'll be fine. Kincaid's in Ridgeland, Reed's in Starkville, Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, and Abraham's in Indianola. I told you that the holiday season is approaching quickly. 
I don't care how hard to shop for somebody is on your list. You can find what you're looking for that will make them smile at genteelapparel.com. Hey, Borky, how about a little stat of the day? All right, stat of the day. This one absolutely blew my mind. So this one is SEC rushers. So anybody that carries the football doesn't necessarily have to be a running back. SEC rushers that uh, have the most yards after contact. Ooh, okay, hard runners. So Davis at Kentucky, 519 yards after contact. He's number and one. He, he's got 800 and something yards total on the year, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. tough. Whew. Number two, Quinshawn Judkins, 505 yards after contact. And he's at like 640 on the year? It's like 80% of his rushing yards are after contact. Schrader from Missouri, 435. Good player. Wright from Tennessee at number four at 430. Okay. How about this one? KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. Not surprising at number five at 385. McClellan at Alabama, running back number six at 384, so just one yard short. Diggs at LSU, 350. Hunter from Auburn at number eight, 327. This is why I brought this to the show, and this is what blew my mind. Number nine in the SEC, rushing yards after contact, Jackson Dart at 298 yards after contact. Hmm. Doesn't feel overly surprising to me. He's a good runner. He's 20th in the SEC in rushing yards. Yeah. And and remember, sack yardage is subtracted. He's yeah. a physical runner. For what it's worth, yeah. uh, Marks is the, the first appear for Mississippi State at 278. That would be much higher had he been able to... I say yeah, I, I word that poorly. Had he been able to stay healthy, that's not right. It's not like he's doing it on purpose. Had he been able to play in every game, that would, number would be higher. <laughs> Got injured again on purpose. <laughs> that snake. So if if sack yardage was not figured in for Jackson Dart, he would be twelfth in the SEC in rushing, ahead of Jarquez Hunter, mm-hmm. just behind Mario Anderson at South Carolina. It's been really good. Yeah, I was thinking about Dart earlier uh, or this week, and I was I was I was thinking back to the preseason when we were talking about you know what <laughs> what did he say? What did he Forky. say? Or he didn't even hear what I said. I said rent free. No. Well, I was thinking I about quarterbacks it. in the SEC. I'm, I'm I was not with you. I'm messing with you. <sighs> I'm so glad you're not going to be here tomorrow. Uh, so you know, remember back in the in the preseason, we were like there are five proven quarterbacks in the conference, right? There was Daniels and Jefferson, Rodgers and Dart, and Rattler. So obviously, Rodgers and Jefferson have not had the kind of year you would expect them to have. Uh Rattler has kind of been what I've expected. He's inconsistent. And then, you know, nobody outside of that group has really jumped up and had a monster year. We know we talked about Joe Milton, Devin Leary, 
Wigman. I mean, Wigman's been injured. Jackson Dart is the clear number two quarterback in the SEC right now. It's not close. It's it's Daniels and then Dart. And the the key... so yeah, you were rent free when I was trying to give you a compliment. Hey. Congrats. Hey, hey. You love to dish them. Sometimes it's hard for you to take them. I just you know. <laughs> Just an opportunity. To <laughs> you know, I was thinking about Ole Miss's quarterback. Of course you were. <laughs> of course you were. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was thinking about college football. That's my job. Right. Hey, let me let me throw something at you though, because because I think I agree with you. So numbers are good. Over two thousand yards, fourteen touchdowns, four picks. What about Carson Beck? Doesn't have the doesn't have the rushing yards to go. Doesn't have the rushing. Carson Beck has played really. He's completing seventy three percent of his passes. It's been good, really good. He's good. He's good. He's not. He's not going to win the Heisman like some idiot predicted. But he's still good. That's a sa- that was a safe bet though. I mean, win yeah. these next few games, win the SEC, and maybe people will start talking. Now he's Wait, getting who, his who weapons. We That's what I was thinking. I was like, best. What now? Who did we pick? I picked Carson Beck. You picked Joe Milton. Yeah. Carson Beck. And then Borky's pick, Harrison, is is getting some buzz now. Yeah. Let Daniels beat Alabama on Saturday night. And And Borky was also the only one that picked Dart to win the Connerly. I was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there's only three of us. Right. (laughs) Who did I pick? Gwynshawn? You picked Judkins. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. He hasn't turned the football over. I mean, he's averaging an interception every That's two games, hasn't had a multi-turnover game yet, and one of his four, Wade slipped on his route, would have been a perfectly thrown ball. The kid just slipped. and uh, So that, that's that been the key for Jackson. But the, the rushing stat is what's interesting to me because, as we mentioned earlier, and I'm sure Haydad will talk a bunch about this tomorrow in one way or another making picks or if he pulls two questions out, got to keep the tradition alive somehow. Oh, but, two questions is happening. Don't worry. Yes. Don't worry. Um, Are you going to ask Robbie two questions? No, Will is going to ask me two questions. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. Good. Uh, he hasn't looked 100%. And nobody's – he was asked about it after – I think after the Vanderbilt game. But he was asked about it recently, and his answer was indicative. And you shouldn't read too much into stuff, but he said, I'll be fine. And not, I'm fine. It's a difference. So so something's bothering him a little bit. He didn't look like he was 100% in the lower body on Saturday. And I think if you're going to beat Texas A&M, you have got to – he's got to give you something on the ground. I mean, that's – whether it's moving the pocket to avoid pressure, you know, just running the quarterback to keep a defense honest, the draws that they like to do sometimes, or just escaping pressure in the pocket and making plays with his legs like he's really good at doing – that, that's got to be part of the offense on Saturday. He has got to be effective running the football if, if Ole Miss is going to win this game because if he was a statue, which he's not, but if he was, A&M's defensive front would feast. But luckily, he's elusive. He needs to be that on Saturday if they're going to win. So you're saying he's got a leg? Probably got two of them, I would hope. Was that not Jackie Sherrill, or was that Dan Mullen? No, Joe no, Moorhead did that, that, too. No, Moorhead was upper body, lower body. Yeah. 
Jackie would tell you he had an, uh, a leg or a shoulder or a wrist or whatever. He's got a knee. So, yeah. Con- congratulations, Jackie will be on campus, Bailey, uh, Jackie Sherrill will be on uh, ca- uh, campus uh, this weekend. Along SEC Western Division title. Uh, Mississippi yeah, 25 State years. Being celebrated this weekend. Also saw the news that uh, Jackie Sherrill was being inducted mm-hmm. into the Texas Football Hall of Fame. Jackie Sherrill As is Mike and Leach. Mike Leach. Those are the two. Yeah, going in together. That's cool. Hey, while we're just grabbing random stats, here's a couple for you. Top two tacklers in the SEC. Two best linebackers in the SEC. Jet Johnson, Nathaniel Watson. Johnson's got 84 tackles with four sacks this year. Bookie Watson's got 80 tackles with eight sacks. That's kind of crazy that one out of every ten tackles for Bookie Watson is a sack. Yeah, I mean, that's... They're having, yeah. they're having the kind of year... They're really the only two Bulldogs that have had the kind of year I thought they would have coming into the season. I mean, they're, they're on pace to finish with 100, each with 120-plus tackles, which tells you how much they're on the field, too. Jaheim Thomas is third at Arkansas with 74, and then you got a couple of Gamecocks, Debo Williams and Jason Kilgore with 70 and 64. Um, I don't know if it's coincidence or not that three teams that have struggled and are at the bottom of the standings have the five highest tacklers in the SEC. Probably not. I don't know. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. One last time with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to be with you. It's at the ceasefire text line, a little rapid fire. 601-879-4395. Is Jackie Sherrill going to castrate a wildcat while in Starkville? That was from Mike in Oxford. Seems unlikely. What about the Missouri quarterback? Uh, He's been good. He's good. I would still take Dart. Yeah, I agree. Um, watching Dart play quarterback reminds me a lot of Jalen Hurts minus the 600-pound squat. That is his his best attribute is toughness. That that is by far his best quality as a quarterback is how tough he is, uh, mentally and physically. Honestly, especially this year. Uh, I mean, was I mean we've been over it a hundred times, but they're they're down in New Orleans and it's a weird road game and Trey Harris is out and his offensive line's getting wrecked and I mean on a fourth down he evades a free rusher and throws a perfect pass for a touchdown then you know he gets banged up on the second play of the Arkansas game is clearly hobbled and yet does enough uh, to to lead his team to a win it's down two scores midway through the fourth quarter facing third and long makes the right throw uh, later in the game, hurdles a guy. It, it just that, that's that's where he's at his best. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not even the most accurate, and he's he's not the fastest. But the dude's just wired differently than a lot of quarterbacks, and, and that's why he's successful. 
Does Richard now work like three days a week? Sometimes only two. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Did, Richard, did you get the email of Hey Dad's Halloween costume submission? Hey Dad, I'm. He did. Oh, I, yeah, I did. I res- I responded he texted me about it. to Hey Dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just told him I loved him. Heard to me as an orifice of kinds. <laughs> Uh, Brian in Oxford wants to know if Genteel carries cold weather or rain gear. So the rain gear would be limited to a couple of lightweight jackets that are water repellent, kind of windbreaker type, but cold weather gear, yes. They got a really good selection of stuff. Kind of an outdoors look to it, the uh, the quilted jackets, um uh, there's some some really good stuff. Check out their website, genteelapparel.com, Brian. I think you'll like it. Uh, did I miss anything? I think that's it on the ceasefire text line. Oh, Dwayne says, will I be able to catch all of the games Saturday night at the Sportsbook? At the Golden Moon, Dwayne? Oh, man. You will have sports ball overload. If that's where you go to watch games on Saturday night. They'll have games on that you didn't even know exist. Yeah. You'll learn new team names if you go. Yeah. <laughs> it might be the only place in Mississippi you can watch UTSA at North Texas on Saturday afternoon. There's a chance it'll be up. Maybe. 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 They need to have a TV dedicated to any game you called. You've been in there enough times. They need to have, this is the cross TV. Maybe we'll talk about that with Ryan when we're there in a couple of weeks. Yeah, let's, let's see if we can't we'll make I'll that happen. I'll send you my schedule and be like, yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. Especially, you know, come basketball season, you get some big matchups, so yeah. Yeah. Um, no idea what the basketball Have we found out yet? Like. Have we found out yet, State Southern? Do we know yet? Come on. Don't know. Come on. I, I have I don't get to request games. Right. But I did say to the person who is at least partially in charge of scheduling those games. Save some money. Hey, pretty close. Know those teams pretty well. Certainly open to that if you have a need. They they uh, gotta do it. Well they gave me the we'll keep that in mind, thanks. So we'll see. They, they, they got to do it. Come on. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Be 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 really cool. Um, but I don't know. I just have to uh, have to wait and see on that. I I don't know. And I don't. I'm not pretending like I've got a great feeling. But who knows? That'd be really fun. I'm going to be positive. I appreciate that. We will we'll take all the positive yeah. vibes we can get. All right, college football on your television tonight. Three games. And it's three games kind of worth watching. TCU, Texas Tech, Wake yeah. Forest, Duke, South like Alabama, Troy. Those are good all, games. All Quality three games. Of those tonight. And I think well, better the than the NFL League, game. Yeah, I think they're throwing one on too. Tennessee at Pittsburgh. <laughs> Much better. I mean, if that's your thing, whatever. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. For Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. Haydad's got you tomorrow in Starkville. It's all me, baby. Brian Let's go. solo in the Pearl River Resort studio. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.